This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Welcome to another Tuesday episode where I talk to somebody super cool. So today I am talking with Betsy Stover. She is a comedian living in Hollywood, and she is also the host of the podcast called Why Mommy Drinks. I was also a guest on her podcast. I will let you know when that episode is out, but it was hilarious. It was so much different from my podcast where, like, I feel like my podcast, when I have guests on, it's pretty tame. Her podcast, I sat there and it's like I was at a comedy show. So I was talking with Betsy and then she had a co-host named Amy Albert and listening to them talk was hilarious. They're both comedians, obviously. It was so funny. I felt like I, you know, like I was at a comedy show, like I had free tickets to a comedy show. And yeah, I talked a little bit here and there, but it was just so fun to listen to them talk and tell hilarious stories about parenthood. That is what her podcast is. It is a bunch of wild stories from the trenches of parenthood and a reminder that we're all doing the best that we can. In this episode, we talk about life in Hollywood. What does she love about it? What does she dislike about it? In the U.S., schools just recently opened back up. They start schools in August. So she talks about the difficult decision in sending her kids back to school and also what the past year has been like for her with regard to, you know, having children and living through COVID. It's a really fun conversation at times. At times, it is a little bit emotional. We just go all over the place. If you had multiple kids at home during quarantine and over the past year, I am sure you will be able to relate to a lot of what Betsy tells us in this episode. So without further ado, please welcome Betsy Stover to the Mom Room Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Betsy Stover. To start, I thought you could just introduce yourself and tell us about your family and also about your podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. So yeah, I'm Betsy Stover. I'm a comedian and I'm a podcaster with the show that I've been doing for the last five years, Why Mommy Drinks. Y'all should listen because Renee just did an episode and I'm so excited to have you all hear it. My podcast is a comedy show where we have parents on and everyone shares a story essentially of a time that their kids just drove them to drink, literally or figuratively. So yeah, a lot of times because I have three kids and oh, I'll tell you. So I have three children. I have all boys. I have a five-year-old, a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old. And so we live in Los Angeles with my husband. It's it's chaos. We live in the super collider and like the hydron collider. Uh, it's what just like, it's like a particle accelerator. <laughs> it's the Thunderdome. Thunderdome. We live in the Thunderdome. It's a, it's a lot of just people, you know, battling one another with chains. When you have three little boys, it's, it's nuts. I can't imagine having two more of Milo who are bigger and stronger. Oh yeah. Big personalities. 
At what point, because Milo's three, so at what point do they stop like throwing tantrums or when are they aware that certain behaviors are not socially acceptable like in public? (laughs) Ever? Are they not there yet? Don't say that. That's a great... Question. You know, I think it really depends on the kid. So, like, my five year old generally doesn't throw tantrums anymore. And my nine year old, I would say in general, will not throw tantrums much, if any, definitely not in public. My 10 year old will throw a tantrum at the drop of a hat. He will do it in public. He does not give a shit. He fuck the police. He doesn't care what anyone thinks of him, peers, strangers, doesn't care. I like to say he's emotionally dynamic, which just means, you know, well, you know, you you have a PhD in psychology. I'm (laughs) sure you can infer what that means. It's funny because that's usually a trait people are like, don't care what other people think. But I guess that's on a spectrum because at some point it's like, I kind of wish that you cared what other people think a little bit. Yes, because on one hand, we've definitely raised him to be like, don't care what other people think, because that's something that served me as a comedian and as a woman, you know, who's just like, yeah, like screw what other people think, do your thing, fly your freak flag. But yeah, that can also tilt in that other balance too far because then he'll be like, I don't need to brush my teeth. I don't need to brush my hair. I don't care what anyone thinks. I'll be naked in public. Like he has kind of like, like no boundaries or sense of like what is appropriate. And I'm saying that out loud and I'm like, oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Like I do recognize that that's on me. Like that's my responsibility. You're like, oh, he's a little me. (laughs) Well, yes. But also, one thing that's so interesting about parenthood, in addition to it just being this sort of release of control, which is hard when you are someone who likes control, who likes to be in control of their life, and parenthood is all about just uh, capitulating to that lack of control, capitulating to the chaos. But also, you really do learn that like people are kind of who they are. And that is who they've always been. And that's who they will always be, no matter what you try to teach them or how you try to change them or shape them. That's ultimately who they are. I always think about that. Like Milo, I look at him and he's three years old. And sometimes I sit there and I'm like, oh my God, like he's going to be an adult one day. Like he's going to be, you know, like off at university and like getting married. And I'm just like, what? And so it's interesting that you said that because that's how I always feel. I'm like, he's not always going to be this little tiny human that I, you know, am like guiding and so close to and keeping safe. And like, he is going to grow out of that. And I'm sure like time goes by so fast. It's going to seem like a blink of an eye. Do you find that with your boys? Like time just like flies? I don't know. It feels like forever. It's not until recently that I was like, oh, Like my 10-year-old just started middle school this Monday. And that is really throwing me for a loop because he's still my little baby. But it has, I mean, it's taken a fucking minute to get here. It has definitely taken a long, but then again, 10 years in the life of an adult, it can go so fast. So I don't know when people are like, they grow up so fast. I'm like, I don't know, man. It's taken a, it's been a, it's been a while. (laughs) This has been quite 
an adventure. <laughs> but yes, on the other hand, I am very suddenly aware that like, oh God, my five-year-old, like he's going to be a middle schooler. And you know, before I know it, and like, you only get so much time to kind of like do this. So starting your podcast five years ago, I've only been doing mine for just over a year. So I can't imagine, like people always say, most people quit before they hit the year mark after starting a podcast. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you have been doing it for five years. And what has that journey been like? Has it always been why mommy drinks or did you switch? It's always been why mommy drinks. I have to say it, it, a personality trait of mine is consistency and stick to to a fault. <laughs> yeah. I am loyal to a fault. So, you know, there are probably times in my life in all sorts of aspects where most people would have been like, let's hang it up. And I'm like, or we could keep trying and do this. <laughs> So when we started the podcast, I had a co-host for the first four years or so, but she had to, to step away from it because the pandemic hit and then suddenly here in Los Angeles and in most places, I'm sure, we were all of a sudden distance learning with our kids. So we both had three kids that were, that were not even like homeschooling. We were like... <laughs> watching them do school online. And it was just such a nightmare. And so she was like, I can't, I can't also do a podcast and commit to this. So she took a step back and I've been sort of carrying the mantle ever since, which, you know, has its pros and its cons. What do you like the most about having the podcast? Because I know for me, I just like connecting with people. Like it's such a great way to meet people, even though it's virtual, that you would otherwise never meet. So I find that interesting. It's like, I just want to have conversations with people and then I record it and I put it out onto the interwebs and people listen to it. But it's just an excuse to get to meet people. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I think when we first started the podcast, a huge part of it was just being away from our kids for like an hour a week and getting to like talk to another adult. That was huge. When we had little kids, certainly that was the big draw when we started. I mean, I think there are two things for me that are the big things for like why I love doing it. One is that on our show, it's very therapeutic and very cathartic. It really does feel like guests come on all the time and say this and I feel this way. They were like, oh, that felt like therapy. Like it really <laughs> does feel, because the whole sort of ethos of our show is parenthood is a shit show and that's okay. Like we all suck at this and that's okay. Like no matter how hard you are trying, we are all going to have days where, you know, terrible, insane things happen. And it's just about sort of picking up and moving on. And just, uh, you know, I have a parenting mantra, which is, eh, it's probably fine. Yeah. Uh, and I just, you know, <laughs> that kind of permeates the show in and of itself. But the other thing that I that I love about our show is connecting with the audience, knowing that, you know, when I hear from our listeners who will say like, I felt so alone and this show makes me feel normal. It, this show makes me feel like I'm not alone, that I'm not the weirdo. Cause you know, five years ago when we started, it was like, I know that you are part of that sort of content creator world, but 
so you know that it can be a lot of real rosy pictures of what life is, what parenthood is, that we're all just like in a fucking like straw hat in a field, like eating out of a bento box. And that's, Apple orchard, oh, yes. pumpkin patch. Yes. <laughs> all of my kids were matching outfits and yeah. that wasn't my experience. And so I, I felt very alone in my parenthood experience. You know, parenthood is, at least to me, and I think a lot of people, the most isolating thing I had ever experienced. So hard. Yeah. Like, it's so hard. All of a sudden, it feels like everyone else knows what they're doing. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner. I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. 
Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. We're so like obsessed with social media nowadays. We're constantly consuming it. And if people are only putting out their pictures from the pumpkin patch, (laughs) you're like, what? Like that does not represent the day that I had because I couldn't get Milo's shoes on to go to daycare. So I had to drop him off bare feet and explain to his teacher that like, you know, so that's kind of how I started on TikTok because I started it in quarantine it was a nightmare. I was like, congratulations, you finished your PhD. Now you're stuck at home with a toddler. And I was like, what can I do? And so I was like, I'm going to take all these struggles and difficult moments and start making TikToks about them. And turns out we're all living the same life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And everyone feels like a sense of shame and we shouldn't. It's okay. It's so life is messy. Parenthood is messy. I even catch myself now. I'm very open about everything that we do. And I think I'm like the best mom ever yet. We have dinners. We don't eat at the table. Like we get fast food all the time. We, I hate cooking, but like my kid is the happiest kid ever. And we have such a good relationship because all those things that people think are important it's not actually important. And so I always catch myself like yesterday he was eating. I specifically bought him this thing from Ikea. That's like a, a tray that he can sit on the couch to eat his dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this is so funny. And so yesterday he was using it. He loves it. And I was like, this is perfect. Like Blippy was on, like he's eating his little dinner. And I go to show it on my Instagram stories. And I was like, Ooh, this feels awkward because people are going to be like, really? Your kid's eating dinner on the couch watching Blippi? And I was like, ah, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to put it up. Obesity epidemic. (laughs) (laughs) You know, studies show. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. And I was just like, this is how we live. And it's okay to eat dinner on the couch sometimes. And then it's funny because once you post something like that, that's just super honest. And you notice all the comments are like, oh my God, I thought I was the only one. Like we eat dinner on the couch like three times a week. It just works for us. Like, and I'm like, yeah, I hear you. Like we all, it's going to be fine. And it makes it worth it then, even when you do get that, you know, one or two comments that are like, you're doing this wrong and you're the worst, (laughs) that you know that, well, for those other people, they feel less alone and they feel seen. Are you on TikTok? My nine-year-old and 10-year-old bullied me into TikTok. Why Mommy Drinks does have a TikTok. Why Mommy Drinks does have a YouTube. They lay fallow. There is nothing there but a barren landscape. Do you consume TikToks though? I do on occasion. I'm a big fan of the Dumb Dad podcast TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Ev. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're hilarious. TikTok is so entertaining and so addicting and you need to consume more of it. (laughs) All right. Yes, you, you really do because it's uh, it's so good and you would be so good at it. Like really, it seems so hard. It's like video. I can't making a movie every day. What? It seems so hard. Do your kids make TikToks? 
they used to use TikTok before TikTok really like blew up. Okay. And then yeah. at some point we were like, hey, this is not kid friendly. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot access this uh, anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had to kind of bring down the hammer because of course, you know, it's like, I mean, the thing that I keep seeing lately, there's like a thing where people like, there's like a song playing. It's like, blah, 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 blah. and then it's like, boom, boom, boom. And then people like change outfits or whatever. Yes, yes, like, yes, yes. Blah, 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 and a deck in your mouth. And I'm like, oh, yes. shit. Like they're, <laughs> see- it's like they're seeing all this stuff. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't, I don't want them to be running around being like, nah, 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 and a dick in your mouth. I get it. It's so funny because all these audios are trending on TikTok and like everyone does the trends. And I'm always like, did they hear what is being said? And, but really like when you're into TikTok, you're just like, I don't even care what it says. Like I'm, I have to do this trend. I have to put it out there. And yeah. And people just forget about like what the lyrics are, but that is funny that your kids. Yeah. I can see that. So yeah, they were super into it. And what were they doing? My oldest used to be, my oldest two both used to be really into Just Dance, which is like a video game series. Do you know what that is? Yeah. And so they would like post a lot of stuff on there, but I don't know. What do you love about TikTok? I just like making funny videos out of actual situations that happen in the day. You know, like that's what I love. And I love watching TikToks. Like I try and watch like like a little bit every single day because that's how you also get your ideas is like seeing what's trending and what people are doing. And then I can usually make like a mom related spin on most things. You asked me in the beginning how old I was and I demurred, but are you comfortable saying how old you are? How old do you think I am? You're not going to offend me. I love this game. 30? <laughs> 36. Whoa, you're 36. Yeah. You you look way younger than 36. Well, I have Botox. Nice. I have Botox like around here, which is amazing. But you don't look all toxed out either. Well, thanks. Like I'm here in Hollywood and you you see some people are like, oh, you're you're leaning too hard into the tox. Uh, (laughs) But you look great. I take after my mamere who... My whole life when I would go out with her, people thought that she was my mom. Oh, is she your grandma? Yeah. Oh. She's like super spunky and young and yeah. So. Did your grandma raise you? No, but she's the one. Remember I was telling you the story about my hair? Like I just got my fucking haircut. Yeah, <laughs> that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, it happened with her. Well... Being a little older than you, I wonder if that time between our ages also contributes to your enthusiasm for TikTok. (laughs) Perhaps. I think I'm right on the brink of, you know, what do they call it? Like millennial. Mm -hmm. I am. I'm not really, I straddle that weird line between millennial and Gen X. And I don't feel like either one of those really represents me. The closest thing of Oregon Trail generation is really, <laughs> that's how I. You're an elder millennial. I think that is technically, I don't know. I don't relate to millennials, like the whole sort of thing about millennials. I remember when it came on the scene and I was like, <laughs> I kind of derided it. I was like, oh, millennials. Like, I didn't feel like I was a part of that. But also, 
I don't feel like I was a part of Gen X because those all seemed, they were like adults when I was a yeah. child and they were like out doing, you know, listen, they were all in Seattle and having one night <laughs> stands. Like that wasn't my, I wasn't part of that. I don't know. <laughs> You're like the in-between. Who was your, when you were growing up, this is a good indicator who was like your childhood crushes growing up? The new kids on the block. Okay. So you're probably like around my brother's age. Yeah. I was a fan of them as well, but I think I was younger, but I was super into like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah. I feel like millennials were into the Backstreet Boys. I'm like in between new kids and Backstreet Boys. Cause I wasn't so much Backstreet Boys either. Is that a little after your time? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, my little sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my little sister is just like, I think of her as a millennial, but no, I don't know. <laughs> we're a, a people without a generation. <laughs> well, you know, there was a while there we were called Generation Y, and it was like the generation that came after Generation X, and that was it. And then somehow it didn't quite catch on. <laughs> they were like, I guess they're millennials. I don't know, call them millennials. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think that's what they are. No, shut up. You're a millennial. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Okay, so being from Canada, I always think it's so cool when people live in LA or live in Hollywood. What do you love about it and what do you dislike about it? Well, I grew up in Minnesota and my dad lived in Ontario for a, a while, Kenora, Ontario. What, what? So I do feel Canadian adjacent because uh, <laughs> I feel like Minnesota is the Canada of the United yes. States. It's I mean, very I, similar. Right? 
like, I feel like just culturally, it's very similar in a lot of ways. It's like, let's be nice. And we all love ice fishing, right? Okay. So what do I like? What do I like about LA? It's a very pleasant, for the most part, you know, I, I lived in New York City for a long time. It's it's a much more laid back sort of atmosphere here. It is nice that we're close to the beach. We're close to the mountains. What else do I like? I mean, just from a career standpoint, there's a lot more <laughs> alleged opportunity here. I don't know. What do I like? I'm. It's possible I feel quite ambivalent about LA at this moment. The things that I don't like, I mean, I think environmentally, there are a lot of wildfires here. It's oftentimes is very hot. I don't like hot weather. I'm from Minnesota. I like cold weather. I mean, I don't love like my eyelashes freezing, but I do. I, I like, I run hot. So I don't want to be hot all the time and sweaty all the time. Gross. And so, so yeah, there are a lot of days here where you can't go outside or have your windows open because the air quality is so bad, either from smog or from all the constant wildfires. The other thing that I don't like about here, you know, after living in New York City for a long time, there's a real, real premium put on like intelligence, being intellectually curious. In New York or in LA? In New York. I am in the city. I am not in the pretty part of LA. We are like, there are people on drugs who will just kind of take a nap outside on the sidewalk. That was one of the things that struck me the most when we came out here was people are nice, but they're not honest necessarily. Like not genuine? Mm, They're not interested always, I'll say, in like cold, hard, naked honesty in the way that New Yorkers are. New Yorkers are like, I want to see your ugly. I want to see your messy. Just let it fly. And I want to see your truth. And I think in Los Angeles, they're like, I don't necessarily want to see a messy, ugly truth. I'm going to lie to your face. (laughs) You know, oh my gosh, I loved your idea. We will definitely be in touch. They did not like that idea. They will not be in touch, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Whereas in New York, they would be like, that sucks. Yeah. Sorry. They'd be like, get out of my way. Go fuck yourself. Um, (laughs) And I do like that. I do like that bold, bald honesty. And I noticed that as an improviser, as a comedian, as a performer, you would get on stage in New York. And if it was truthful and honest, the audience would eat it up. And here in LA, if it was truthful and honest, the audience would be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) So got it. But you're in Toronto. I feel like I think of Toronto as very New York City adjacent in a lot of ways. Yeah, probably. We're on the outskirts of Toronto, but it definitely, like I'm from Northern Ontario, like small, smaller town. So even for me, when I go to bigger cities, it's like kind of, I went to school in Florida for one year and I'm like so polite and I'm like talkative and I want to chat with people. And I used to be so offended because I would hold the door open for someone. They wouldn't say thank you. 
And I would be like, what the heck? And if someone held the door open for me, I'd be like, thank you. And they wouldn't say, oh, you're welcome. Like they would just say nothing back to me. And okay. I was like, as a Minnesotan, what? that is weird. Yeah. I, get, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. And I find Toronto and Vancouver are similar in that like people just want, they're like on their way somewhere. They don't care. They're not, they don't want to like, everyone's got headphones in. No one's going to like, <laughs> you know, make pleasantries on. Yeah. It's just totally different. Whereas, and my husband's that way because he's from Vancouver. So we'll go shopping and the cashier will be like, Oh, loved this one. I saw it in the store. I bought it for myself last week. Like when we're back home where I'm from and I'll be like, Oh, you did like starting a big conversation. And my husband's just like, can we pay and just go? Like he just gives like one word answers, does not engage. And I'm just like, Oh yeah. you Like, yeah. It's so funny. Like if you're small town versus like big city, just totally different. Okay. I, before I know you have to go pick up your kids or something, Ugh, right? I do. I'm going to take my son to a museum. He's got an early day where they're like let out at like 1245, but they're like 45 minutes away. And yeah, I'm going to take him to a museum. I have a very artistic, sensitive child, my well, middle child. Nice. Yeah. He's a sweetie, sweetie pie. Well, it was so nice to connect with you. Oh my God. It was so nice to connect with you. I do have a few minutes I could hang out. You know, I don't have to go this second. I wanted to ask you about mom guilt because I love asking people about this and like what your experience was or is like with mom guilt and what kinds of situations do you find yourself feeling that emotion? I feel mom guilt all the time. I think it's kind of unavoidable. It sucks. It sucks. And do you get jealous of your husband for not feeling those feelings? A little bit. Yeah. He doesn't, I don't think, he understands ultimately. No one like commits mass murder and goes, boy, their dad did a doozy on them. <laughs> I know, yeah. They say, what the fuck? Their mom fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So like, there's always a part of you who that, that feels like this is all on you. Yeah, so mom guilt, it's a useless emotion. It's a, but even though I know that it's useless, I still feel it all the time and it's hard not to. It sucks the joy out of situations that should otherwise just be joyful situations. And like my husband can enjoy that moment when it's like sunny outside and we're inside watching Blippi. He can just be like, this is fine. You know, it's Saturday morning, whatever. And me, I'm like, we should be outside. We should be like, going for a walk or like, why do we have the screen on? And, and I'm like, rationally, I'm like, it's okay. We're going outside later this afternoon. It's not a big deal. But like you said, it doesn't matter. It's not like a rational emotion. It just eats away. I mean, I have to say three kids in <laughs> and like a year and a half into a pandemic, there is certainly, I have capitulated to the chaos and then some, like I have given up in a lot of ways. <laughs> some of the things that I feel uh, the most guilt about that are like really intense 
are like medical things. So my son, my youngest son has a a series of congenital heart defects. My middle child has Tourette's and I feel a lot of guilt about like, I must've done something. It was that one time I bumped into someone really hard. I fucked them up or like they that one time he fell and he hit his head really hard and I didn't go to the doctor. It probably brain damaged him. You know, I had wine too much and that's why his heart's fucked up. So that sort of stuff really eats at me. And my husband does not understand that. Yeah. And you find even still to this day, like with them being like their ages, nine and five? Nine, five and 10. Yeah, I feel guilt all the time. My 10-year-old is super gifted and and I always was like so afraid that I wouldn't give him what he needed to support that. And I'm constantly feeling like, oh, I failed him. And I think of it more as like anxiety. I'm consciously or constantly anxious about what I of my shortcomings. Do you tell your husband about these things? Sometimes. Yeah. Cause sometimes I find I explain things to my husband and he doesn't understand, but I think it's good for them to know that you're at least feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I have said those things to him, he's just like, what are you talking about? And here are the reasons you shouldn't feel that way. And like, which is nice in the moment, but ultimately it is what it is. We're doing the best we can. You're doing your best and that's the best you can do. You guys just recently started school, right? Yes. All three started this Monday. Our school starts a little bit later than you guys in September. And I know people are unsure, like, do we send our kids to school? Do we keep doing homeschooling? Do you find parents, like some parents are keeping their kids home? Oh, yeah. It's been really difficult because also, you know, the, the goalposts are constantly changing. The information is constantly changing. You know, Los Angeles is a very big city. It's a very international city as, as is Toronto. And right up until us sending them, we were like, are we doing this? And it kept checking in with all my mom friends. Like, are we doing this? It feels like we're not. It feels like we shouldn't, but we are. But now that they are all in school, I do feel okay about it, which is shocking. But I do feel like the schools that they're at are doing good enough in terms of keeping them safe. I do feel confident in the in the things that they have done to keep them safe. And ultimately... The last year and a half broke us all so deeply and irrevocably that we all need this. Like a sense of normalcy. Yeah. My kids were so sad. We were all so depressed. I had like two breakdowns because it was so intense and they missed their life and they missed their friends and they missed school. And I know last year when people would say that, I remember thinking, yeah, but what, what is the use of any of that if your kid gets a terrible virus and dies, or if you do? But I have found myself that we are now at the point where it's like, well, I think, I think it's going to be fine. 
I think the measures that they're taking are good. And I've got to now just trust that the benefits are going to outweigh any negative consequences because I don't think we can do that again. Yeah. And like you said, the information is constantly changing. So it's really hard to make these massive decisions that are going to impact your children's like mental health and your own mental health on information that you're like, well, what's it going to be tomorrow? Yeah. But like they are, they are better people for, for being, they are happier being at school. I am happier. I'm a better mom having them at school. Three kids, 24 seven for like 16 months was just not with nothing open with nothing. Yeah. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. We never left the house. They couldn't have any new sort of input or experiences. Like it just was, it was so bad. (laughs) Yeah. That was like fucking grim to an extent. I feel like we've all learned now, okay, this is how we live in the pandemic. Let's, let's just make it work. What about you? We are really lucky because Milo is at an age where he's in daycare. And so we had like the five month initial quarantine where everything was shut down, like starting in March, 2020, which was really hard because we don't live near family. I was by myself at home with Milo. Nothing's open. We can't even go to the park down the road. My husband's a physician, so he's working his normal hours. So I'm home by myself. And I'm sure that was very fraught as well, just from a you know, health standpoint. Yeah. Cause at that point, like there was no vaccine. There was no, so yeah, it was weird. Like it was a weird, it felt like I was living in a movie. Right. But then once things opened back up, he was able to go back to daycare. And then in Toronto, they never again closed down the daycares because people just couldn't do it. So the schools were closed, but not his daycare. And the nice thing about the daycares is that He has his small little class and that's the only people that he's in contact with. So we lucked out in that sense because I was like, I feel bad for you being home with me. Like I cannot replace like seven other kids your age and the experiences and the play that you're getting and the socialization. Like I just can't. So I felt bad. So mom guilt. I think parents of small children bore the brunt of this entire experience. People who were home without a partner, that fucking sucked. People who were home with a partner, no children, hey now, I think you may have gotten the best experience out of all of us (laughs) in a shitty situation. People with older kids, that sucks too, but at least now you're out of the woods, you get that vaccine and those kids' arms, but we are still kind of in it no matter what when you have little kids and, and, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't work. We couldn't do anything when people were like, I'm going to lose weight and make fucking sourdough bread. Like, no, you're not if you're parenting 24 seven. Yeah. That was the real thing that I couldn't understand. I was so lucky because I just finished school and then they shut everything down. So I wasn't working. So I didn't have that added pressure of trying to work a job and teach a school age child their school lessons all day. Like, yeah. How? For for my husband and me, we immediately were let go from our work. So suddenly we couldn't work. 
and no money was coming in and we didn't know how any money was going to come in. We were suddenly home with three intense children, nonstop, never ending. We were afraid for our lives, afraid for their lives always. We were in a <laughs> Trump presidency, which seemed to have no end in sight. So yeah. <laughs> like yay, anything's better than that. 2020 was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> truly, truly. Oh man. Okay. To end the conversation, I thought you could tell everyone where they can listen to your podcast and also where they can find you online, even on TikTok, because you're going to start making TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> Please hold my hand through this process. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. Yes. My podcast is called Why Mommy Drinks. And every episode, we just unpack that question, which is what did you, what happened that broke you and drove you to drink? Uh, it's not about that, Mommy Drinks. It's why. <laughs> and uh, it's you can find it anywhere you find uh, podcasts. And we are on social media, Why Mommy Drinks podcast on Instagram, Why Mommy Drinks Either Why Mommy Drinks or Why Mommy Drinks podcast, pretty much everywhere. Um, <laughs> and I'm, of course, Etsy Stover. And you can find me also on uh, on Instagram and all that if you just fucking Google me. And I teach improv classes if you ever want to take one. Oh, that's um, fun. IlluminatiImprov.com. And I also teach at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. So UCB Comedy. Cool. Yeah. I think that's awesome. everything. Yeah. But yeah, come listen to the show and come listen to Renee's episode. Yes. And I'm going to look out for your first TikTok. <laughs> no pressure though. I'm going to have to get my 10-year-old and be like, let's do this. Yeah, can can do you this? help me? This mean Canadian is pressuring me to join TikTok. <laughs> she opened a door for me and then she expected me to say thank you and make a yeah. TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I'll, boy. I'll, do it. I'll cave to I'll cave to social pressure. I'll okay, good. Good. I'm looking forward to it. Well, enjoy the museum and I'm sure we will connect on social media again and hopefully talk to you in the future. Yay! Thank you, Renee. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you. Wow.